Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Earlier this week, I knew kind of an idea of what I wanted to bring to the community today uh, as my message. And uh, I reached out to Erin and I said, I don't know how this is going to translate, but here's my ideas about the message. And she wrote back not 15 minutes later and said, we are family is the song. And I was like, yes, that is the song. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And you'll understand why that is the song. I think, I, I don't use this word lightly, but I hope by the end of my message. <laughs> hope is better than despair. But I'm feeling nostalgic today, and if anyone uh, is a friend of mine um, or follows me on social media at all, you may have seen on Instagram and Facebook, I made a post today. Uh, essentially, I put a picture of, my, of, of this vast landscape with this path, and uh, it's this gorgeous picture that was taken, and in the picture on the path, way in the distance, are these two little figures. Um, one of them is me. And the other one was a person that I walked with for a time when I was on my sabbatical on the Camino. Now, uh, those of you who are members of the community or have been coming here for a while, you know that I went and walked the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage while I was on my sabbatical um, about three months ago. I can't believe I've already been back for about three months. Am I doing the math right? Maybe it's more like two and a half months, two months. This is my ninth Sunday back. That math I did do. This is my ninth Sunday back. Okay. And what really, what, what I, what really kind of came up for me today to talk about was family and community. And I really started to reflect upon the community that I developed when I was on the Camino de Santiago. And it's something that a lot of people who walk that pilgrimage talk about, the experience of developing a Camino family. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Camino de Santiago is, um, I just want to let you know, it is a 500-mile walking pilgrimage across Spain. You start on the French side of the Pyrenees, you hike over the Pyrenees, and then you walk 500 miles to Santiago de Compostela and the cathedral that's there. And along the way, you meet a lot of people. You meet a lot of people. And there was this idea that I had early on as I was meeting people, and I would think, oh, maybe this is someone who's going to be a part of my Camino family for the rest of the walk. And then you would never see them again. Or you would meet somebody, you'd walk maybe a couple days with them, and then you would never see them again. And then there are those people that you would meet and you knew, and it has con continued to be people that remain lifelong friends. And so I talked, I, I wrote this in my notes, I said, you know, on the Camino, what it seems to me is that we meet friends for maybe five minutes, five weeks, five years, or five lifetimes, that that is the experience of the Camino. And so 
the common factor that we all share when we're walking the Camino is that thing. It's the experience of walking. And we all came to that experience with different purposes. With different purposes. Just like I think we all find ourselves in the spiritual center on a Sunday morning with different purposes. We all come here for our own unique, individualized approach to a philosophy that perhaps works for us. If you're new to it, perhaps it will work for you. Um, I like to think it would work for everyone. Part of it is we have to put it into practice. And I start every Sunday by saying, you may not believe everything you hear, but we do have a doctrine, we do have a teaching. And if you are willing to look at how that teaching can be incorporated into your life, I believe, I believe, that it can enhance the quality of your experience. So that's really what community for me is all about. It's about experience, the experience of this thing called life. Part of the Camino experience is a willingness to release. I've talked a lot about the willingness to release. Before I went on the Camino, I talked a lot about the plan that I had to go there with everything that I knew I was going to release already released so I could see what more needed to be released when I was on the pilgrimage. <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> One of the things that I needed to release was my need to control every outcome. Anyone have that going on for themselves? And what I was invited into was a consistent reminder of this phrase. And anyone who's walked the Camino, you will recognize this phrase. The Camino provides. The Camino provides. Now, the Camino itself, the path, the walking path, the experience of the walking path is a metaphor for the path we walk in life. And what if we approached our lives with the understanding that no matter what, our life provides. How different might our lives be? Our life provides no matter what. It's one of my favorite phrases ever. No matter what, because it says to me, I am solid in my faith that the life I live provides the experience that is for my highest and best And then it's an invitation to me to look at the places where I might doubt that. Where might I have doubt? Where might I not be so absolute in my statement that life provides? That's right. That is God speaking, by the way. God knows how to put an exclamation point on things. <laughs> I kept a pretty uh, loose journal. I wrote a little bit every single day. Now, the walking pilgrimage took me four, 34 walking days with two days of rest. So from start to finish, it was 36 days. On day 25, I arrived in a town called Ponferrada, I had walked 350 miles at that point in 25 days. 
And I wrote this in my notes. I said, the nature of the Camino has shifted. I have said goodbye to friends I've made along the way because we all have different walking plans. The Camino seems to be splitting us up. That's a really, that was something that really struck me when I reread that. The Camino seems to be splitting us up. I'm in an albergue tonight where I don't know anyone. And that was the first time that that had happened since my first two nights of walking, that I checked into an albergue, which is a hostel, a pilgrim hostel, if you don't know. And I didn't know anybody in that hostel. And if I reflect upon my life, and look at that as a metaphor for my life, who are the friends that I've made along the way that have diverged into their own walking path? Life happens. Life can split us up. Do we look at that and find remorse, sadness, regret, upset around that? It's possible. There are friends that I miss dearly, but our friendship came to a natural, fundamental completion. The Camino, the whole Camino itself, in a way, invites each and every one who walks into the creation and the recreation of community just like life, invites us into the cre creation and the recreation of community. This is the third spiritual center that I've had the privilege to be the leader of. Wow, I really wasn't planning on mentioning this, but all right, here we go. <laughs> In 2017... I had an epiphany, I will call it an epiphany, a, an enlightened moment where I was at the, we, we, I had completed the service on Easter Sunday at the spiritual center where I was serving, the Center for Spiritual Living Toronto. And I was sitting with a couple of board members after the service and kind of a flippant statement came out of my mouth. I just turned and I said, Yo, I'll, I think that what was mine to do here is actually complete. And it was a shock to me, and I'll tell you why it was a shock, because in my heart, when I landed in Toronto to take over the Center for Spiritual Living Toronto, I thought, oh, this is it. I'm never leaving here. Never. I love it here. I love Canada. I love everything about this. I didn't like the winters. <laughs> Other than the winters, I loved everything about living in Toronto. So that was quite a shock when it was just... And so I gave myself 24 hours to consider it, and what I found in my prayer and meditation is, yes, what was mine to do there was complete, and it was time to move on. This sounds like I'm leading up to saying something similar here. I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. But I'm also going to, I'm also very clear that where I am is only in this moment. And if I begin to project into the future this idea that this is it, this is it, folks, we're here for it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. 
I have an idea because I've constructed a service, so I think I know what's going to happen five minutes from now, but I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen five seconds from now. Do you? No, nobody knows. And so it is, an, oh, it is an invitation to be the wholeness right where we are in every single moment, to create in every moment and recreate in every moment the community we seek. The Camino is an exercise in the discovery of wholeness. Life is an exercise in the discovery of wholeness. This month's theme is wholeness. And so that's really at the base of everything that I'm considering this month. As I think about my Sunday messages, as you know, the prayer chaplains get up and offer their readings, we're all rooted in this construct of what is wholeness. And I'm grateful that you brought that definition from Charles Fillmore back. What is wholeness? What does wholeness mean to you? That's a rhetorical question. But I just want you to consider for yourself, what does it mean to be an expression of wholeness. Just consider that for a moment. And is there any aspect of you that does not feel whole? Is there any aspect of you that feels like it's missing? Is there any aspect of you that is longing for something? Life is an invitation to discover and rediscover our innate wholeness. That's really what I want to share with you. In what way are we, in every moment, encouraging wholeness for ourselves, but also in the spaces we create? This, for me, is a very special space. It is a space that has been created by all the consciousness that has walked the path in this space. And we collectively here today have created this space. So are we encouraging wholeness in the spaces we create? Do we encourage belonging in the spaces we create? Or is there some aspect of us that may still be encouraging segregation. And does encouraging belonging require a common experience? These are just questions that I have. These are the things I ponder during the week, you know. How do we encourage belonging? It's one of the fundamental questions that we ask in spiritual leadership. How do we encourage belonging, a sense of belonging? Because I can look out on this sea of magnificent faces, the faces of God, which is what I see in every single person that I encounter. And I can see ways in which we might, without ourselves even knowing it, be encouraging segregation and separation. And do we have a willingness to look at that and find those places, those, those blind spots in our hearts that encourage separation and segregation and go on the path to healing those things within ourselves 
What I desire here at Unity of Tucson and in my life is to actively create beloved community. That's what I desire. I desire that this spiritual center be a forward-moving, a mission-centric space that says, I know who you are, and let us all celebrate the truth, the inherent truth of our being. How do we then actively create beloved community? How do we do that? One of the ways, are, I mean, there's many ways. There, there, there are a few ways that I want to acknowledge that resonate in my heart and see if, that, see if it works for you. Number one, active and consistent sharing. Active and consistent sharing. Sharing of our hearts, sharing of our minds, sharing of our good, sharing who we are, the fundamental basis of who we are with every single person we encounter, free of fear. That's hard for people. I think of the ways that I committed myself to share myself. Um, and I know I've said this before, so some of you will have heard this before. But I made a choice early on in my ministerial training that I would always be authentically me, no matter what. And the reason that I did that is because I had the experience of serving as a uh, stage manager for some of the conventions that were presented by various spiritual organizations. And what I would find is being backstage and interacting with some of the ministers who were big, big names in the movement, right? that who I would experience backstage was different from the experience I would have of them when they were on the stage. And so, this is me. You get me, y'all. And I ask nothing less of you. That's the invitation. If I have a willingness to stand here and be authentically me, then I ask you to be authentically you in every interaction. That's a way that we can share ourselves consistently and actively to create beloved community. I also think that a way that we can actively create beloved community is to have, this is a word you don't hear very frequently, but to have some intolerance. What? I think we need to have intolerance for anything that is contrary to basic human decency. If we see other people suffering, how do we approach them in the expression and experience of decency? Why do we allow things like homelessness and poverty and hunger to exist in our world? Why? We are the ones who are at a center point to be able to address and create a different world. We speak about a vision of a world awakened to its magnificence. Are you willing, are we willing to reflect the magnificence in someone that we might have a little bit of reservation about? and know that no matter what, who we see is a reflection of God. 
and the expression of God and a reflection of something within ourselves. So I think that it's time we be less tolerant of anything contrary to human decency. I think also a way that we can actively create beloved community is to release othering in detrimental ways. What do I mean by that? I've talked about being a person of privilege from this platform in the ways that I have experienced privilege. I've also talked about myself being a member of a minority community from this platform. If you didn't know, um, <laughs> you get me, folks. <laughs> Do we have the capacity to really take to heart and live the principle of seeing the face of God in everyone we encounter? For me to know and to boldly claim and make the statement, and I do, and I invite you into making this statement for yourself, I am God. You are God. We are God. There is no God out there. We are that power. We are that presence. And knowing that is an invitation to releasing the construct that there is greater or lesser than among any of us. That's what I'm talking about, releasing the sense of othering in detrimental ways. We are the power and the presence. We are the divine light. We are the divine life. The King Center in Atlanta has this posted as a statement in their facility. Beloved community is a global vision in which all people can share the wealth of the earth. In the beloved community, poverty, hunger, and homelessness will not be tolerated because international standards of human decency will not allow it. Racism and all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and prejudice will be replaced by an all-inclusive spirit of sisterhood and brotherhood. Yeah. The question for me comes up with, in this manner. You applaud that, are you activating that in your life? And the rest of you? <laughs> now, this is also a call to each and every one of us to have a willingness to uncover those unconscious biases that we have. Yep. <laughs> I, I look, so I, I, I look to uh, Susan because um, she, is, she has sent me some messaging that we're going to talk about um, around a bias busters group here at Unity of Tucson. And if we have the willingness to be on the path of uncovering the unconscious bias that we have right where we are, we are firmly creating a more peaceful, beloved community for this entire planet. What keeps us from it? There's only one answer to this in, that I understand, and that is our own fear. That is the only thing that keeps us from it, is our own fear. We internalize our fears, and those fears internalized contradict our sense of belonging. We separate ourselves because of our fear, and this expresses actively whether we are aware of it or not. 
So I ask you today, what is the consciousness driving the celebration, sorry, driving the thought that you may have as we complete the celebration today? So when we finish here today, in about an hour and 20 minutes, (laughs) joking, what is the consciousness that you will walk through those doors with? Will you feel welcome in the experience of socializing? And will you welcome others in the experience of socializing from this point of view? I know who I am, I remember who I am, and I know that truth about you as well. Can we engage in recognizing every single person we encounter as the face of God, no matter what? How do we encourage and create common unity? How do we encourage and create common unity, community? How do we encourage and create community right where we are? I think being in circulation is a way to give and receive of ourselves. I think compassion, unconditional love is a way. I think support of others, free of personal opinions or the way we think someone should lead their life. Support does not mean telling someone how to heal. Support is being a presence and a witness to the healing and celebrating the consciousness and the idea that is the great equalizer. God is all there is. That must be who I am, and so that must be who you are. And in understanding that, that helps me be on the path of eliminating phobias and isms and constructs of othering. We are a family. We are family. Whether we accept it or not, we are sharing a collective experience of wholeness, not just in this room, but in the expression and experience of our lives. Because I guarantee you, you're probably not going to leave here and not see another person. Although there may be times, it makes me think of walking the Roman road. I walked for 25 kilometers, it's what, 17, 18 miles, and I did not see another living soul that day. That was one of my days on the Camino. And it was one of the scariest days too, because I thought if something goes awry, I don't have community available that I can see to help support me through a challenge. The space between which is the title of today's message, the space between us is an illusion. It's an illusion. For in wholeness, there can be no separation. There's a construct, and this is hard for some people to understand. This philosophy, the New Thought philosophy, often talks about there is no time and there is no space in the infinite. There is no time, there is no space in the infinite. Time and space are constructs for experience. So we experience time and space, but in the infinite doesn't exist. And there's this idea in quantum physics called quantum entanglement. Anyone ever hear of that? The idea of quantum entanglement is that some energetic way of being here has an instantaneous energetic correlation somewhere else in the universe. Do you know how big the universe is? 
It's pretty big. It's infinite. I think that's what we're ultimately going to find. There is no edge. There, we perceive an edge because we think in terms of limitation, but there is no edge. And we keep seeing further. And every time I go online, I know I'm talking a lot today. Every time I go online, I see, because I love like, you know, space and physics and all of this, I see posts that say, we've now seen the furthest star away. I'm like, but we're going to see even deeper. We're going to see even deeper. So this idea of quantum entanglement means that free of time or space, that every aspect of being is affecting every other aspect of being. That's why I say the space between us is an illusion. Whether we know it or not, we have an effect on everyone around us. We have an effect on the furthest reaches of the universe. The illusion of separation, the illusion of separation is the path to discordant experiences. And we, right where we are, we are the ones who can change discord into harmony. And I invite you on that path with me today. Peace and blessings. You're magnificent. And so, the homework today. Uh, if you are joining us here for the first time today, I give homework every week as a way to make the spiritual practical, to put it into practice in our lives. So I invite you into this as your homework this week. I would like every single one of us to purposefully deepen our awareness this week to the manner of connection or separation we bring in every interaction in every interaction we have with people to open up our awareness and ask the question, am I connecting or am I separating? In that, are you activating in each, act, in, in, in each interaction more compassion, more support, and more seeing the face of God? That's the homework. It's a big one this week. Um, it's probably going to last longer than a week. But if you start today, I guarantee you the quality of life is going to be enhanced. That's what I believe. You get to decide. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.